0: My name is Elle, and I'm a transgender woman talking about grief. I had the privilege of spending some time recently with some friends, and they brought to my attention a quote by Edith Eager. And I don't really know anything about this person. I'm curious about uh, reading uh, their work. But the quote goes like this. All therapy is grief work. It goes on to say a process of confronting a life where you expect one thing and get another, a life that brings you the uninspected, the unexpected and unanticipated all therapy is grief work. And I deeply resonate with um that, uh, quote, but I also think that there is a way in which, um, transition is grief, you know, like transition itself is a process of mourning, uh, what wasn't, like what didn't happen, uh, what can't happen, what's prevented. It's mourning the life that I wish that I had, It's mourning the life that, um, I wish I could have in the future. Um, it's mourning the expectations of, of, um, you know, what I imagined life would be. It's mourning, in my case, uh, the loss of privilege, the loss of cisgender privilege, the loss of male privilege, um... It's uh, been a massive amount of grief. And so I wanted to talk a little bit about grief, um, talk about some of the ways in which um, transition for me has been a process of grief and how um, perhaps, I mean, I don't really know other than like kind of a vague theory, but, you know, I wonder if for some folks um, their um, not able to grieve well as they go through transition. And so pick up different unhelpful coping mechanisms, um, as people do with grief in general, you know, unless we're able to do it well, we pick up all kinds of coping mechanisms. Um, so yeah, I wanted to reflect on on that a little bit and also, um, uh, reflecting on, Uh, some of my experiences with grief over the course of my life and how transition as grief has been the same or different. Um, Yeah, Um, so before I get into that, though, I just wanted to say uh, thanks for coming along the journey with me. Thanks for joining. Um, This uh, program has been going weekly ever since last summer, and my intent is to continue doing that every week. Um, I do feel like it might be a little bit uh, ambitious to put out these video versions of the show. I'm not sure. You can let me know what you think. Um, but uh, it's been an absolute joy to hear from so many of you. Um, I've received many, many emails from lots of different folks um, who have uh, given feedback, uh, asked questions, sent encouragement, um, given inst- uh, constructive tips um their opinions about the program um it's been really heartwarming so um thank you for that and um I guess i um yeah I just want to say thank you for tuning in um there's several hundred of us who are here every single week and um it's it's really an honor to be with you and uh so thanks for for reaching out for looking me up for um, sharing if you're able to do that. Uh, I know many of you are you know, kind of in the process of, of self-questioning and you're closeted or maybe you're not even sure the answer to some of those questions about whether or not uh, you're trans. But, um, yeah, I, I appreciate it. And, and also, um, I really value and appreciate your um, ratings and review for the show, whether that's on Spotify or on Apple Podcasts. Um, or even your comments and likes on YouTube, um, especially since I'm putting forth the effort to get it out there. I appreciate that, uh, that assistance, uh, by the way, of um, uh, yeah, giving me your uh, input. So uh, back to our topic for today's program. Um, the way I understand it is that grief is our bodies, um, and our emotions like, um, physical and emotional response to loss, right? So the emotional part would be, um, feelings of sadness, but then there's like kind of this whole bodily, sensory, uh, social, um, spiritual, physical, like it's a, it's this overwhelming experience that of course includes sadness but also many other types of emotions and activities and thought processes Uh, grief is this thing that we go through it's like passing through a dark forest um or maybe entering into a dark forest that gets thinner over time i've heard so many different metaphors for grief Um, but it's what happens when we lose something and You know, those losses can be um, quite literal. Um, I uh, experienced a house fire as a child uh, or as a a very, very young adult or teenager. Um, And in that fire, our home and all our possessions were lost, but also my brother. Um, And the most profound and deeply cutting loss that I've been through uh, in my life, but uh, that's not the only one. I've been through many, many others, including losing friends and other family members uh, to death. Um, I've experienced uh, loss by way of um, my uh, parents were divorced when I was an infant, um, and so that was a, a different kind of loss a, a loss of a certain type of family. A loss of the regular present presence of my other parent. Um, that parent uh, was my dad, and he was uh, went through his own process of addiction, which created more losses for me and for him, and for our whole family. Um, but even thinking back generationally, you know, recently I was thinking about how, uh, you know, my dad was adopted by my grandparents, uh, which is a beautiful gift, and at the same time. Um, not being able to have a relationship with that, you know, wider family, that adopted family, is a loss. Um, I I actually have become connected. It's funny through one of those DNA, you know, those DNA family tree things you can take. Um, I actually showed up on some people's family tree who were not expecting me to be there, and they reached out and they're like, "Hey, you're my first cousin twice removed," or I don't know, whatever random thing, and I was like, "Yeah, actually." Um yeah my dad is your grandfather's child and we're cousins and um yeah sorry surprise <laughs> um and like it was really interesting because that extended family I think had you know has some wealth um the my my dad's biological father had you know some degree of notoriety and and money and you know In the 1950s, like, having a child out of wedlock was not becoming for someone who was in his social class. And so my dad had to disappear, uh, which is kind of how the story began. And so there's a lot of people in that extended family who are still living, who knew my biological grandfather, um, who, like, don't believe this story. And despite the fact that we're in their family tree, according to our DNA, it's like kind of hysterical, um, but, you know, that's another loss, so there, there's layers and layers of losses, we can have losses of relationships, we can have losses, of course, of like physical objects or items, you know, like a home. Um, We can have losses that are associated with, you know, title or reputation or uh, we can even have losses that are associated with mindsets or beliefs or things we think about the world or expectations. It's like there are many different things that we grieve and essentially kind of like Edith Eager said, you know, that like life is this constant process of confronting reality as compared to expectations we wanted one thing we felt like we were promised one thing we expected one thing and yet something else uh comes to us something else comes our way and you know i i think that um you know the the process of grief is not necessarily to like Pretend like there wasn't a loss, uh grief is not to like minimize the loss or to make it seem like it wasn't a big deal. Um, grief is not like necessarily even like getting getting over it per se, or not feeling sad anymore or not having any of the negative thoughts or whatever that may go along with it. I don't think that that's necessarily the process of grief either. Uh, grief, I, in my experience, is a process of change. It's a process of having a new mind and a new perspective about our lives. Uh, grief is about um, accurate, uh, accurate expression of emotion. Uh, grief is about effective, helpful coping mechanisms for uh, the feelings that we're having. Grief is about acceptance. um, And uh, grief is, you know, at its best, grief leads us um, in sort of a new sense of embodied being, you know, a, a new sense of of holiness or wholeness, right? Um, it leaves us as a new kind of person, um, and at, like at its best, you know. And and a lot of times, uh, when we're going through grief, it's really hard to believe that that's true. Um, And that's part of why it's so dark. And in fact, you know, telling someone that they're going to get through grief and that they're going to come out the other side, uh, you know, a more whole and holy person, that they're going to be a better person for it. Like that kind of message actually isn't very helpful and actually can be really hurtful or traumatic. And so it's not really typically a message that I tell people who are going through grief. It's only something I think that you can like discover on the other side of grief. Um, and that certainly has been the case for me throughout my life and the many different types of grief that I've been through. Um, and especially, uh, for the grief that is, uh, transition, you know, um, I think that, one of the things that kept me from choosing to go through transition for so many years was because i think i intuitively or maybe even very very explicitly knew um the losses that would come my way you know i, I don't know if anyone in my life uh, at least anyone who's accepting you know ever came to me and said well why did you wait so long why did you why did you why wouldn't, why didn't you tell us? I don't know if, if I, I don't think that anyone was really that rude or, you know, callous to actually say that, but it's a thought that definitely came to my mind. And, you know, the truth is that, um, you know, the part of the reason that I waited so long was because of reactions like that, you know, P- part of the reason I waited so long was because, of what happened when I came out like it was chaos and really really hard and awful and I had terrible uncomfortable conversations with people and I've lost many many people lots of people have disappeared from my life and my world um, the layers of loss have been massive for me and that's part of the reason why I waited so long why I delayed being honest about this stuff. It was like, if I could possibly do anything else, if I could possibly be anything else other than trans, I wanted to be that because um, the the threats that were in front of me, the losses that I could see, um, the, the grief that I knew I would have to go through was so incredibly immense. One of the things that I was particularly afraid of losing one of the things that i was wasn't ready to grieve was my career i I was a pastor um before i transitioned and and i know if you listen to the show before you know that i'm currently in therapy school and working to get my second master's degree so that i can be a licensed um clinical um couple and family therapist here in california which will be a beautiful thing i'm getting to practice right now is as a student in my um clinical practicum um that's ongoing but um you know i was a pastor for all those years and and for me being a pastor was it was a calling it was something that was in my heart and in my soul and and in many ways that calling is still with me you know I, i still identify As a pastor, at least insofar as my life is here to guide people into inclusion, to welcome people to the table of grace, to make sure that they know that they're loved and wanted and enough. And um, I'm doing that now and will in the future do that through a different type of vocation. But in terms of like, my soul and my sense of calling it's still there you know and um but i knew that i was going to lose the vocation and you know i've been a pastor for a very long time i went to undergraduate i got a degree in theology and um, i minored in biblical languages i took multiple years of greek and hebrew Um, I was a Greek, uh, an ancient Greek tutor for a couple of years for the Greek professor. I really loved Greek. I really got into it. Um, And I pastored in my first church in central Washington. And then I was at my home church in Walla Walla for 10 years um, and got to do all kinds of stuff in that home church was a big church, you know, several thousand members and great big, huge auditorium. We had amazing music and I got to be involved in planning the services and I did all kinds of creative, you know, like graphic design kind of work. And it was really fun. I really enjoyed the team um and a lot of the different people that i got to work with and then i got the opportunity finally um to be a lead pastor of a multi-pastor church we had five different um full-time people on staff at the church down here in redlands and they hired me and paid for us to move from washington and you know it was amazing it was like i was finally um you know, I wouldn't say that I was like at the pinnacle, but I was at the peak of my career and I was getting to do what I loved the most, which was preach, you know, and I had a I had a little podcast that I had made and I got to speak every single week and write sermons and create and I got to, you know, get paid to like show up at kids' basketball games from the school or, you know, go to the hospital or, you know, see people or whatever it happens to be, like, that was my life. And it was really wonderful. And I knew that, you know, almost without any doubt, I mean, there were moments where I'd kind of like, you know, sort of hoped that that it would be different, you know, like, there were moments where I hoped that, like, you know, maybe the church would, like, say no no actually we want you to stay you're such a good pastor and you know we don't care if you're transitioning that was sort of my fantasy but um you know the reality is that that was like very unlikely you know and that proved to be true you know i lost my career um you know essentially from the moment that i let the administrators know that i was going to be transitioning they let me know that there would not be a way for me to continue being employed, despite that being my wishes, and and so I had to resign. I mean, I didn't have to resign. They, you know, they they, they would have fired me or whatever. But that's kind of what you do: you resign, and um, that's sort of the proper way of doing things. So I resigned, and that was the end of it. You know, all that time, all that money, I'm still paying for my seminary degree um all that investment just gone you know poof and you know i mean i know that there are other denominations out there and there are other churches and there are other types of religion that are accepting but at least for me it was like i i didn't have the stomach to like roll the dice again you know i didn't i didn't want to invest another 20 years in something that, um, could disappear like that. And now, I mean, I suppose that like psychotherapy could change in such a way that therapists are are obsolete and no longer needed. And I mean, I guess I'm running that risk. That's a possibility going forward, but I kind of, I feel like it's probably unlikely that that will happen at least in my lifetime. And so, uh, that was tragic for me. I mean, that loss directly associated with my transition, um, I cried and cried and cried and cried. I mean, essentially, since I lost my brother, I'd never cried so much in my life. You know, I mean, it's been like 20 years since my brother passed. 20s, 22, 23 years. And, like, literally, I don't think, almost without a doubt, I haven't cried... As much as I did um, losing my career, as I as I did for him, like it, it was, it's it was, it's just it was a massive, massive loss, and you know some of the things that have compounded that are, you know, the loss of that community. Because, like, when you're a pastor, it's like your whole world is wrapped up in that. At least that's how it was for me. You know, like, my church was my social system. They were my support group. They were my friends and my coworkers. They were my, I mean, entertainment. I don't really know. That kind of sounds crass. But, like... My whole life was soaked up in the church, and they're all almost entirely gone. I mean, there's two girls that are really lovely that I get to spend time with about once a month and have been just a godsend, and they're members of that church still. And we've had fun together getting to know each other a little bit, getting to know each other on this side of transition, and that's been great. Um, There aren't many others who have reached out, if at all, um but certainly that isn't a space that's safe for us it's not a space that's safe for our family it's not a space that we're wanted in um you know I was talking with one of my friends who is um trans and i i said you know we've been shunned and i guess i I don't know how afraid I was of being shunned, um, but it certainly has happened. And I know that the experience of shunning from your community is loss and it's grief. You know, a lot of what I've talked about on the podcast, whether it's, you know, the loss of privilege or the loss of different roles or societal um you know, condemnation of us, or even just like the experience of having a sense of peace and a sense of stability about one's future. All of those things are things that have been lost for me. I mean, it's, it's really been um, a profound shift in many ways in my life. And, um, and, and transition has brought that about. Um, I'm not sure if I talked about this, uh, yet on, um, any of the other episodes, but or any of the other, am I transgender episodes? And, and I'm going to do another one in that series. I'm just, I'm kind of wanting to space them out. Uh, you understand. Um, but I do have many more parts. I bet I have four or five, six more parts to that series. Uh, we'll probably be a part 10 by the time I'm done with it. Um, but you know, one of the things that, uh, led me to, or helped me to understand and realize that, um, I was trans and that my experience was what a lot of people call gender dysphoria, um, was this aching deep, uh, longing, which is grief, um, for, uh, the childhood that I didn't have, uh for the body that I was not born with, um, for the experiences that I missed out on. Um, you know, in some ways, even, I mean, I, I feel some gratitude for having been spared, uh, decades of misogyny. Um, and also I feel, some some degree of sadness um, for not um, having some of the experiences of camaraderie that many women do with with each other, often that have to do with uh, experiences of misogyny or sexism. I don't know if that makes sense or if that sounds really really awful. And I I really you know do not intend to. Um, um, glamorize, uh, the pain that, uh, many women, cis and trans folks go through. Um, it's not, uh, you know, something where I, I wish that I'd gone through pain, that I'm not really a masochist. Um, but I also think that there's a certain amount of community that is built around shared suffering. And I didn't go through a lot of that suffering, which is, uh, you know, a relief in its own, but also it's like, I, you know, I'm on the outside and that's just the reality. I I do have a different set of suffering that I've gone through, some of which I'm talking about here. Um, but the camaraderie that that creates is like more with other trans folks, which itself is really, it's wonderful. Um, but it's not necessarily like what my soul thinks at wants and needs, uh, which I guess kind of goes back to that stuff that Edith Eager says, you know, where this where grief it comes up at the intersection of expectations and reality. Um, yeah, um, lots of different griefs have come my way. there There's been grief at times uh, in this process of transition where, um, you know, I've had regrets at how I um, you know, didn't have the courage to speak up in the past and you know, I I totally believe and agree with kind of that spirit that I mentioned of um that you know, like I well, I guess I had a therapist early on in the process who said, "You know, if you if you could have, you would have." If you could have you would have and it was sort of a way of of kind of embracing the fact that you know the time that i was able to go- come out and go through transition and and do what i needed to do that was the time that i was um able to do it you know and not a moment before and so it didn't re- it doesn't really make sense to like be racked in like guilt or in you know self-loathing or even necessarily a whole bunch of sadness about it because it's happened at the time it's supposed to happen, but yet, you know, sorting out those feelings and coming to that conclusion—if I could have, I would have—that um, is what grief looks and feels like. You know, I've talked many times on the show about that transition ceremony that I created, and in a lot of ways, that was, um, you know, a ritual of grief. In fact, we had a whole section that involved ashes, and there were ashes that were sprinkled, and it was ash—the ashes were actually created from um, some uh, documents and some clothing, um, or shall I say, some textiles and some papers um, that uh, held significance for me in my previous part of life. And I burned them one night. I spent several hours out burning and creating this pile of ashes that was later used in the ceremony. Um, and part of the reason for that was was that it was a recognition that this this ceremony held weight as an activity of grief and that I was laying to rest some, some of those old things. Some of them were those expectations and some of it was like, uh, you know, kind of, a recognition and a process of stepping into what would be next. And, um, you know, it's, it was really, really powerful. And there were ways in which it was a funeral. You know, I remember at one point in that ceremony, um, and it wasn't like, like nobody died um, you know, some pe- some trans people say, well, I'm dead, and they talk about dead name. You go back to the um, the renaming episode to hear kind of more about that from my perspective. But um, uh, I, I was going to say, my dad actually was at that ceremony, and he made a speech, and he talked about how, you know, there was a time where he sort of had talked about how he was going through grief, and how you know, he was grieving the loss of his son and so on. Um, but he made this statement that, and, and sort of said, but, you know, I've discovered that, that, you know, the, the loss of the grief that I had is more about the loss of my expectations or the loss of, of what I wished for or what I thought I had, as opposed to like the loss of an actual person. And I think maybe that's what people mean when they talk about grief as it relates to their, you know, trans family member uh, transitioning, where it's like there are a lot of um, expectations and hopes and dreams or and assumptions that are on the table that when a person comes out as trans and transitions um, may be challenged or affected in some way, and um, and I, and I don't I don't deny that that's true you know i don't deny that that's hard you know one of the things that i recently find myself grieving is when i'm out in public you know i'm like like when people look at me they know that i'm a woman but they also usually know that i'm trans like i'm i'm present as a woman and people generally treat me as a woman, but I'm also very clockable. You know, I'm, you can look at my face, God, um, I still have a beard shadow, even after years of treatments of facial hair. um, I'm six foot one. I'm a big broad, like, I'm a big broad with broad shoulders. Um, And, you know, like, people can clock me. Maybe not all of them do, but I do think that A lot do and I don't really I know I'm not like a stealth person Um, and so with that comes that knowledge that I carry with me you know in my own head and when I'm out in public walking around like today we were we went to the mall to return some stuff and you know I walk through the mall and people see me and they see this part of me that at least for many years was really vulnerable um it's much stronger now and i'm growing and maybe this is part of the grief process but i'm growing to have um you know a a greater sense of um Pride and a greater sense of appreciation for my own courage and my own vulnerability and being real and being honest. Um, But yet, it's a grief in that when I'm out in public, I'm constantly aware of my transness. I'm constantly aware of how people see me. And, you know, I I do think that there is a part of that that is uh, an experience of femininity to be under the gaze of the world or to be under the gaze of men in particular. Um, uh, and so there is, you know, loss associated with, with male privilege, essentially. But also, there's a degree of loss that, that, that is associated with cisgender privilege, where, you know, when I was presenting myself as a man in the world... Um, I didn't frequently think, I mean, I don't know, maybe I have to take that back a little bit because I did frequently think, I, I d- frequently had feelings and thoughts of dysphoria about how I was presenting, but it wasn't quite as explicit and it wasn't quite as raw and it certainly wasn't on the surface and it wasn't as immediately painful. It was more like this dull ache underneath. It was like this thousand pinpricks of reminders about the life that I didn't have. Um, and, and what's maybe troubling now uh, about being out in public is that it's <clears throat> like an even more pointed reminder that the thing that I wished I had, you know, that feminine childhood and just, a you know, quote unquote, normal life as a girl. Um, that thing that I wish I could have, it's like, I never, I still will never, never have that. You know, I'm trans and I'm making a life that I love and that I'm proud of. And yet it's not necessarily the life that I wish that I could have had. And at the same time, it's also a life that I am grateful for. And I think probably by the time that I'm dead, it will be a life that I um, wouldn't wish to be any different. And I think that that's maybe the key or the beauty that happens with grief is in this, this strange way if we really lean into our grief and we're really honest with it and we feel what we need to feel and we process and we go to therapy and we create rituals and we get back to the activities that we once love, and we discover new activities that we can love and we uh, wrap ourselves and are wrapped by other people as we engage in the world as we go through this process of grief we discover on the other side of it this strange sense of gratitude. And I remember um, as that happened, maybe 10 years after my brother was passed, as I thought back on that experience and how strangely, grateful I was for it because of the ways that I was able to empathize and because of the ways that it opened up my heart and because of the ways that it made my life better and made me a better person. I had this strange sense of gratitude and it wasn't that I was happy that my brother was dead, but it was like I could see how I was a better person for it. And it felt like betrayal at first. It felt so gross and so disgusting because it had been the most painful and difficult thing I'd ever been been through in my life and what the hell was I saying that I'm happy that this happened and I wasn't saying that I was happy that it was happened but I also was saying that I wouldn't want to go back to the person that I was before and that's what it feels like right now for me to be trans you know um Being trans and going through transition is grief. It's hard and sad and confusing and difficult and maddening. And it's gut-wrenching. And somehow on the other side, many of us are able to emerge with this soulful sense of gratitude, this sense of recognition of the beauty that's in the world, and really, in a lot of ways, uh, a testimony to the goodness and beauty that's available in the world and the, the good enoughness that there can be in life. And that's where I think grief can lead us. That's where I hope that grief can lead you and i don't know if this episode turned out the way that i (laughs) had originally intended i don't know if i said all the things that i was hoping to say um but i know that my soul is stirred a little bit and i'm feeling that gratitude just now hope you're okay hope you're hanging in there And whether you are grieving a process of transition or some other change or some other pain in your life, I just hope that you stick with it and that you keep going through those woods and that you keep trusting that the trees will thin out and that the light will break through. Thanks so much for joining me on this program. My name is L. And I'm a transgender woman talking.